Jono, Tommy, I'm going to give you a phrase, okay? And I want you to give me an example sentence that includes that phrase and puts it in context for what it means, okay? Jono, we're going to start with you. Time is on my side. Well, at least time is on my side, if nothing else. (laughs) Yeah, fine, great. Let's keep I'm it loose. I'm so glad John went first. I had no idea what you were talking about. Yeah, okay, I thought I I'd start I'm with that. Okay, yeah. Right, Tommy, your turn. <laughs> okay. Turn back the hands of time. Turn back the hands of time and imagine you are a teenager again. Brilliant. Jono, back to you. A whale of a time. Ah, uh, when we got the inflatables out, just had a whale of a time. Was there an inflatable whale amongst oh. those? Who knows? Who knows? Lovely. Thank you, Johnny. Tommy, only time will tell. Oh, he's lost eight tasks. Can he go any further? Only time will tell. That's great. A little reference back to The Apprentice. And finally, it's one for me. And the phrase is time well spent. Got it. Investing in something of quality that will endure a lifetime can be time well spent. And so let me tell you about Marlowe Watch Company, creators of British-designed mechanical watches and sponsors of this podcast. With Marlowe, each collection of watches is influenced by a historical story of inspiring human endeavour. And not only are they pleasing to the eye, they're reassuring to hold and to wear. Visit marlowwatchcompany.com to see for yourself. And if you're looking for reassurance elsewhere, you'll find the words quality and value come up time and again in independent online reviews. Marlowe Watch Company. Time well spent. Two red buttons on the screen. One shuts it off, one records. Okay, it's 50-50. Right, first things first, I wanted to issue a frank and complete apology for the uh, slight mess up with publication of last week's episode. It's entirely my fault. So any early birds who felt that they were catching the worm and listening to the episode within a couple of hours of it being published... um, would have noticed that it was just Jono's track that you were listening to. There's no music. There's no Tommy and I kind of giving context to anything. It, it wasn't was just, so bad, was it? It yeah. was great. It's <laughs> a real improvement. There's a lot of silence. Long silences. Long silences. I apologise for that. I hope if you did, if you were one of those um, early downloaders, that uh, you did go back and listen to it and that your faith has been restored. Um, sorry about that. It won't happen again. Maybe. Here's the podcast. Something that I love about the sketch that I noticed when I took a closer look when I was skizzing through is that there's a bump. <laughs> Jono's included an ass in one of his sketches of the guy running around naked. And that was the surprise to me, and I loved it. My dad does this yeah. a lot because he goes, <laughs> and then he has to look, and my sister's saying they have to look at a bright light, and then, it, then they'll either sneeze or they won't sneeze. Yeah. Why, why is that, Jono? A terrific, giant, old, circular, grey Scottish stone throwing toy. <laughs> You've got to look at the sketch for this one. <laughs> so what I'm trying to work out is, A, if you're just winding me up on this podcast. It's a sketch! Because <laughs> um, <laughs> you guys do a lot of exercise. Right, yeah, good. Right? Glad to bring this up. And so really burn through your beats. Well, this right? is a concern. Hello and welcome to Sketchplanations, the podcast, where the door is always open, where you can check in at any time, where the showers are hot, the beds are cosy, and where breakfast is served until late into the morning, but with a hard finish at 11.30. I mean, come on, a lion's all well and good, but let's not waste the day, guys. I'm Rob Bell, and this week's episode comes to you slightly differently, because sat immediately to my left and to my right, and not on a screen perched in front of me on my desk, are 
respectively, John O'Hay and Tom Pellero. We're in the same room, guys. Yeah! Good afternoon. First time ever. Recording. Yeah, we've been in the same room before. <laughs> a few Good times point. before. <laughs> Good point. Clear. Thanks, Toby. Um, as it turns out, being in the same room together brings about a couple of technical difficulties. Significant. An hour's worth, potentially. <laughs> Crikey, isn't it? Really? It is. Okay. Who'd have thought? It does allow for a different type of communication, though, doesn't it? Yeah. I can poke you, for example. Well, there's that. <laughs> kind of communication. Because screen, you know, when, and we've talked about this before in the podcast, that, you know, you, because we're so used to it now with Zoom calls and meetings online and everything, but you yeah. can't beat being in the same room. It's brilliant. It's really cool. But I'm, I'm aware as well, it might sound a bit different as well. It might sound like we're in a bigger room because we're not all in our, the, top, the smallest rooms of our house, yeah. uh, surrounded by pillows and everything else that we do to try and improve the acoustics With as much as we can. three inches from our nose as they, as they usually are. I mean, I guess the, what the listeners don't know is that we've worked quite hard on trying to make our, what we record sound as, as good as we possibly can, right? It's not come easy. We have tried. Still, <laughs> still getting there. <laughs> Where are these professionals when we need them? And, and you've tried incredibly hard to uh, get past the awful microphones that certainly I've had along, along the way. Obviously, there are some downsides. We talked about the technical issues, but we all actually have to wear trousers as well now instead of being at home <laughs> when, you know, it doesn't really matter what you've got on the bottom half. Dress, dress up specially for a podcast, <laughs> what? And the other thing, it's your birthday, Tom. Yeah, what better way to spend a birthday? Happy birthday. It's slightly disconcerting because you keep looking at me when you're talking to me. Usually it's like, <laughs> doing the thing. it's like, hang on. <laughs> it's very lovely. Thank you. Okay, well, look, we need to get going with this week's sketch discussion in earnest because not only do we have a deadline to be out of this room, we also potentially have quite a lot to get through because this week we're doing our first ever bumper pack quick fire episode. This week, instead of concentrating on one topic, we're going to get through as many sketches as we can that fit the theme, those we found the most surprising. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we've each spent a little bit of time this week browsing through the collection of hundreds of Jono sketches to come here today armed with examples of where, I guess, our reactions were along the lines of, oh, I didn't know that, and what? That can't be true. Or... I've been getting that wrong my entire life. We'll list all of the sketches that we cover in the episode description, and depending on which podcast player you use, you should be able to follow links directly to those sketches on sketchplanations.com so you can check them out a little bit further. And so that you can see them there in front of you as we go through the episode, if you like. And I'd recommend doing that if possible, because well, they're all brilliant. Um, but understandable if not, if you're perhaps listening to this whilst you're driving or operating heavy machinery. <laughs> In fact, you probably shouldn't be listening to a podcast if you are operating heavy machinery. Stop. Do your work. Listen to us when you're finished. I love that whole operating heavy machinery. It's right? such a standard How phrase. How often does that actually come up? Yeah, I'm driving my JCB. Although maybe you, maybe you are. And I, I love driving JCBs. That is, that is my idea of a great weekend. Um, Dig but a it doesn't... Oh. Uh, we got, listen, we got, I've said we've got to get on. And please do keep all of your comments and messages coming in on social media about the different topics we've discussed in previous episodes or sketches you'd like us to cover in the future. Anything, really. We love hearing from you. And as always, we'll get stuck into our listener correspondence at the very end of this episode. Right, so how do we want to do this, guys? We're going to try and get through as many of these as we can in, well, I don't know, as long as we feel we can. Um, 
do you want to set a time limit or do an order of things or just kind of crack on? I think you just say when we move on. Okay. You've got to be brutal. I know you can do it, Belle. Come on, you just got to be brutal and say, ah, like, ah, ah, maybe, and then move on. Or something positive noise. I think, so the only, the only thing I will say is that when you bring one to the table, it would be great if you say why you found this one surprising, why it fits our theme. Okay. Think? Yeah? Yes. And then we'll talk about it and move on. Sounds good. Who wants to start then? Jono. Okay. Oh, good. Me. Yeah, good. I've been waiting for this. It's a funny one to say. Uh, I was thinking like picking out ones that surprised me because I did them all. So, <laughs> so it's funny, isn't it? I remember going through um, the uh, French French way of saying surprise yourself and somebody was explaining all the bits and he got to je me surpris. And I was like, well, it's quite odd. It's funny. You don't often surprise yourself. But actually, That's true. Yeah, because it's quite hard because you know what you're going to do. Yeah. Well, you would think so. Anyway, um, the first one I thought I'd bring to the table was a moon pool. Um, guys, know what a moon pool is? Heard of a moon pool? I'm good. Sh- I'm racking. No, crack no, on. Good. So a moon pool, um, and you can go check out the sketch of it. I put it as like having a beach underwater. Um, I kind of vaguely remember it from films of my youth. There was one like Cocoon or something like that, where they were basically on an underwater base. But it's 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 a way of having an entrance to the water, like you're getting into a swimming pool when you are already underwater. Does that make any sense? Do they, for those who have kids, do, do the octonauts have a moon pool in their base? They could well do, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So a way to get into the water when you're already in a building, a ship, or in fact, underwater. Oh, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. Sorry, can you bring up the sketch so I can see it? Yeah. Because I'm recording on my view. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Okay. So so a moon pool, I remember, and I, I, I saw this, a bit of information in the aquarium the first time, uh, where I've actually, like, when you think about it, you're like, how on earth does this make sense? And you might have all sat in the bath sometimes with, and you get a cup, and you put the cup and you push it down. Yeah. And yeah. if you keep it perfectly level, you can have an air pocket underwater. And I remember, yes. like, as a kid, you put your finger into this space in the cup. Yeah, it was dry. Like, it's dry, but you're underwater. That, how is this possible? Yeah. Um, anyway, so it is possible, and not even just having to keep a cup level um, by using something called a moon pool. And the way they do it, it can be open to the air, so apparently it used to come from, originally came from oil drilling. So they needed to get, you need to be parked in the ocean and you need to get your drilling materials down to the bottom, but you've got a massive storm raging around you, so it's difficult to do. So you basically have a perimeter around your pool or it can be covered and then you can go do what you want in in this space. But it can also be, and there is actually some underwater bases where they train astronauts and it sounds a bit crazy but they're training for extreme environments right and it's about as close as you get so it's underwater a base sat on the seafloor off off florida and they have um it's also called a wet porch so basically you take the room where where you're going to get into the water and you pump up as much air in there as you can to meet the pressure of the water at that depth Uh and that stops the water from coming up yeah. and filling the space, which okay. it would normally do. Even right? though it's right yeah. there, there's like a hole that would allow you to access it. It's right there. Exactly. You can just step into the water and it's not going to flood your whole ship. And so they do that by raising the pressure, the air pressure, so much that the water stays out and you can just slip in and out of the water. So you can be off, go do your dive, come back out, stick your head up. Yeah. But you're still 
60 feet underwater. That's amazing. Yes, that's very cool. So anyway, that was a moon pool, and I was thinking... I still think about it now, and I think this is amazing. How cool is that? I'm desperate to just go and use a moon pool one day. Well, there's so when in building bridges, have you heard of caissons? Yes. So yeah, when you're building yeah. the foundations for bridges that are underwater, you yes. need this pressurized container so that people can be there doing their jobs, or you send them down in um, uh, the gear. in the gear. Yeah. But Victorian times, building lots of bridges, caissons was a way of doing it, and it's about having a pressurized container within which you can move about and access the and environment around you, i.e. digging foundations. Stand at the bottom of the riverbed exactly. in the air. In the dry. dry. Brilliant. Right. Moon pool. Right, so we're going to move on to my first one, which is entitled Tuit Tuu. Mm. So this was, um, this was the, the fact in nature. So as far as I can remember before seeing this sketch, the noise an owl makes is Tuit Tuu. We all know that. We learned that as kids, yeah. right? No. Turns out, yeah, see? Tommy's seen it for the first time. <laughs> Turns out that's not an owl. That's a pair of owls, specifically tawny owls, who would make that tuwit-tuwoo sound. Other owls make slightly different kind of screechy noises, but yeah, that, that doesn't matter. The tuwit-tuwoo comes from two separate owls, a, a, a pair. So I think the female goes twit and the male goes twoo. <laughs> And that's what you hear when you hear so what you think is an owl. So the calling a male a twit. See, it all makes sense. And the male is going back going, to who? <laughs> it all makes sense. Isn't that, yeah, isn't that amazing? That's nuts. All the time you think rubbish. it's one owl, but no. it's actually two owls. Are you making this up, Jonathan? Is that real? It's real. It's absolutely real. So, what, I mean, so what, what I found incredibly surprising about that is that that's something that I, I, <laughs> I've, I've been assuming. No, that I thought I knew, but I knew it wrong my entire life. But I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm sure that our parents tell us that when you're learning yeah. animals as a kid. Oh, what noise does a pig make? What noise does a cow make? What noise <laughs> yeah. does an owl make? Uh, it's probably backed up in primary school. It's backed up in th throughout your entire life. Kids' books probably go mm -hmm. have uh, animations of an owl going, twit, twoo. It's all I wrong. It's a lie. So if you hear just a twit... You know, it's, it's poor person poor. that put this. She's alone. Lone, lone owl. She's lost, it's a female owl. looking for the male. No response. Rob, as you say, that is very surprising. Um, Thank you. And that's crazy. Let's tell my kids that. <laughs> yeah. They won't, they won't believe me. They'll no, they'll, they'll, they'll call you a liar. <laughs> yeah. Tommy. Uh, right. This is going really well. Crack on. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, so this is a really unexpected one in the fact that it is better to be interested than be interesting. So in a dinner party or in a formal occasion, when you're meeting new people, it is really weird, but the more you are interested in what someone else has to say, it's been proven that afterwards they will think you are more interesting. So if, I, if I'm meeting someone and I start talking about myself and talking about this and talking about that, but if I was like, oh, and you, you, and you kind of drag information out of them, a bit like you always do on your programmes, Rob, you're brilliant at doing it, when you're interviewing people, they will honestly say that you are more interesting afterwards. And I remember learning this for the first time, and I think it's really difficult to do the younger you are, because when you're younger, you kind of feel that you need to impress people. But... Honestly, try it. It works brilliantly. And thank you, Jono, for making this into a sketch explanation. So was that a surprise for you to learn that, kind of, I guess, kind of formally have that explained? 
Or set out, not explain, set out. I think it's just very contradictory. You think that to impress someone, mm. you've got to talk about yourself and how impressive you are and all the stuff that you've done. Yeah. Whereas actually possibly the best way to impress someone is to ask them good questions, leading questions about themselves, learn about them, listen to them. And I think you get better at that when you're older, certainly. When you're young, all you want to do is impress people. Can you imagine in an interview situation where you go in and you think, right, I need to come across as interesting as possible here. So every question they ask me, I'm going to ask one right back at them. There's possibly situations where there's not the best tactic <laughs> and maybe in an interview it's not, but if you can have the opportunity to ask people. But certainly in uh, dinner parties, in, in conferences, in networking, at university, at school, that sort of stuff probably yeah. works really, really well. I think you're right. I think you're right. John, you've had opportunities for when you've um, tried to portray yourself as more interesting than perhaps you are by not, asking lots of questions. Not possible. <laughs> I think. I think as you grow up, you you see what you think are interesting people. So you think to be interesting, you have to be as interesting as them. So it's very counterintuitive, I think, to yeah. have this the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. It's pr- I mean, it's probably why I even bothered writing it down, isn't it? It's probably why. What makes anything noteworthy is it sort of surprises you in a way, right? It takes a little gap in your knowledge and goes, oh. Do you remember where that research came from? Well, the one I was quoting was not research. It was from a book from Charles... It's actually from Charles Saatchi. He was with the one, and actually, I think it was Nigel, advice from his wife, Nigel, who, Nigella Dawson. Yeah. It is. Um, yeah. But there is also all sorts of research around, around this as a phenomenon. But um, yeah. yeah, that's where I learned it. Mm. I think... Carnegie talks about it, doesn't he, in How to Win Friends and Influence he People. Does. He does that. That we're quoting for the second or third time. Yeah. It's good. It's like a hundred year old book, isn't it? That one? <laughs> it's quite Is old. it? Yeah. Isn't that it's old? Like really, really old. It's quite difficult to get in print. You have to find like, old copies of it. I always assumed it was a fairly contemporary book from like eighties, nineties. I think it's No. Yeah. No. That in itself <laughs> I find surprising. <laughs> there we go. Next. Right, Jono, back round to you. Okay, cool. Um, so one I really like and sort of blew my mind when I was first shared. I was shared an article uh, by a really good friend and it's called, It's all about ordering adjectives. And actually, it's, yeah, still, nice. it's still remarkable. So basically, the idea is that English adjectives almost always follow a set order when you say them in a row. And so um, I'll give give a a little example as I put in the description, which was compare, for example, a super little Italian coffee to an Italian little super coffee. Yeah. And and they're just just totally different things. And one of them sounds weird and a bit strange, and the other one just sounds completely natural. Or the other one was, um, this was from a book called The Elements of Eloquence, is that you can have a great green dragon, but not a green great one. And you're like, what? That doesn't make it. It's the same words. It's the same words. And green and great. Uh, but great green sounds natural mm. and green great sounds bizarre. Yeah. But if you were learning English, how do you, how do you string these all together? So, How the, do you teach that? Is there, is there something? Well, so, so the order, apparently, yeah. uh, this was my example for the sketch, was a terrific giant old circular grey Scottish stone throwing top. <laughs> Which is, so I've got some guys throwing a giant stone yeah. frisbee. You've got to look at the sketch for this one. <laughs> so the, the thing is, it goes opinion, which is, I think this is terrific. Yes. Size, giant, age, old, shape, circular, colour, grey, origin, Scottish, material, stone, purpose, throwing, and then your noun. And so the adjectives, we naturally, without thinking about it, 
put them in this order when we string adjectives together. I can just see Tom's face here. He's like, he's like, no what? way. And the, and the order again is opinion, size, age, shape, color, origin, material, purpose. Now, when you're describing something with adjectives, you don't have to use all of them. But if you are using more than one, naturally in English, that is the order in which you will go through them. So yeah. I found this astounding when I saw your sketch, however long ago that was, because it's something that I, I've been doing without knowing, and I had no idea there was a... I don't know, if, is, it, is, it, is, it, is, it a, is it a grammatical rule, or is it just... A, culture. A, a culture, yeah. I don't, I don't know, but it's, it's amazing that we've all got this ingrained within us, and that if you hear it another way, it sounds completely wrong. So if I, as an example, Tom, with the material and the purpose, so if you went a plastic cricket bat, cricket bat, or you went a cricket plastic bat, yeah, you're like, it's horrific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, completely different, isn't it? Completely different. But anyway, so apparently we're all doing this. We're all doing this all the time. And a plastic big cricket bat, yeah, a big yeah. plastic cricket. What? This great when did we yellow this? recording room we're sat in, or this yellow recording great room. What? And you'd, you'd yeah. auto, we will automatically just do that. We do. You guys it do must it. happen do, all do the, the French time. French do this as well. Probably. They will. Is it a Latin thing? Well, ah, do you know? I don't know. <laughs> Let's. We'll think of a French. Uh, a, a big brown. No, uh, different colour. <laughs> no, 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 no. I know, but then I'll translate it. Do the cricket bat. A big red book. Mm -hmm. Un grand. No, but no, because French is different. Because un grand, un grand livre. <laughs> Rouge. I don't know where you'd put red in that. Un grand livre. Oh. Well, it's after the grand. You keep putting that first. Yeah. yeah. So size is in there. We need, yeah, we need to go study Une some excellente... other languages. Oh, I don't know in French. <laughs> I don't know. It's just nuts, isn't it? That is completely nuts. So I'm, I'm going to move us on to, to my it. second one, which yeah. is a blout reduplication. Is that right? A blout. A blout? Excuse me? <laughs> I would say a blout, but I don't know. A blout. A blout. Right. It, it links very much to um, what we've just been talking about. Ablaut reduplication, and I had to write this down to try and keep it as simple as possible, um, is a pattern in the English language where we can have a term that repeats the same word apart from one vowel within those words that changes. And there's an order in which the vowel will change. Right, so the example is, and this is where I'll hopefully stop talking gobbledygook, an example I've got is splish, splash, splosh from the sketch. So you've got the same formation of the word, S-P-L-I-S-H, splish, but then in the next one you change it to an A, splash, and then splosh. And where you have those kinds of things, like with zigzag or hip-hop, all in the sketch, you will go from I to A to O, and you will change them in that order. Now, you don't always have all of them in there, but one thing I did notice is that they always start with an I. So you've got things like flip-flop, tick-tock, Crisscross, jibber jabber, ding dong, chit chat, dilly dally, zigzag, tip top, riff raff, ping pong, sing song. They all start with the I and they will either move to an A or an O. So it was never going to be tock tick? No. Or and it wouldn't be zag zig. Zag zig or dally dilly. But it could be tack tock. Yeah. What? Tack tock? You don't often have those though. Yeah. It What's almost always starts oh, with yes. the I. Oh, yes. As in yeah. for TikTok. Is that why it's like iPad? Toxic. No, because that's not a reduplication of the word, right? So it's where you've got the same like word. Pod. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So it'd be pid pad. A pid. But I was really trying to find one that didn't start with an I. Yeah, they pretty much all they pretty much all do. Yeah. 
But, but the splish splash splosh is a lovely one because it's got all three of them in that order. What happened to the Absolutely. U? Because they're all the vowels. We just don't do it. Yeah, we just don't do it. Hush, push, pish, pish. <laughs> Does the Y come in as an I sometimes? My pie. Maybe. I can't think of many examples. No, it's not about rhyming. It's about the, oh, all it's about the, the letters are the, the same. Words. Look, zigzag. Oh, it doesn't rhyme. Z and yeah, G sorry. are exactly the same. Z and G. So you're, re you're you're replicating everything in that word apart from the that that one vowel. Okay, so that pad thai is not that. <laughs> not at all, because <laughs> pad is a completely different word to thai. It's also a different language. <laughs> I love the way your mind works. <laughs> again, yeah. as with sketch formations, time and again, look at the sketch, you'll get it straight away. And then you'll be but like, it's, what? it's absolutely fascinating. All this stuff's going on in our minds without knowing about it. We're subconsciously doing all this. That, that's yeah. again, was a surprise for me. Our culture, our you know, our life has meant that we know this. All we this know. hidden stuff. Yeah, I've, I've just put it out there. A few people have pointed out to me because there wasn't like any particularly agreed upon obvious explanation for this except for perhaps that as you make the sounds and and you can try it zig zag zog yeah it goes sort of from the back of your throat yeah. back of your mouth yeah. to the front and so when you end in a zog your your lips are sort of pursed at the front and it's a bit weird to go back zog zig yes because you have to breathe in at the beginning so yeah, so may, so it could be that it's just the natural way that our our mouths go as we're making these sounds. It's, it, um, it feels like you use yeah. less energy, less muscle to go from the back to the front yeah. of your mouth when you're speaking than from the front to the back. Because to say something, you've got to breathe in first and then exhale to say it. So that, I'll bring in a quick quick example from French there. Aero, as in aeroplane, yeah, which we'd say in English. The French pronounce the A, then the E, then the O. Aero. So you, you go, ah, start kind of in the middle, right to the back, ah, aero. So there's all yeah. sorts of movement going on with where you're using, where you're saying that word from in your mouth. And, it, and it's, it's quite hard to get your mouth around that if you're an English speaker. <laughs> yeah. I found anyway. Let's see you doing the other yeah. yeah, you're doing a big old loop. <laughs> yeah. Whereas this is very much linear from the back to the front. I like that explanation. Could be. Yeah. Um, talking about su very surprising things. Bright light to free your sneeze. Oh, yeah. My dad does this yeah. a lot because he goes, <laughs> and then he has to look, and my sister's saying they have to look at a bright light, and then, it, then they'll either sneeze or they won't sneeze. Yeah. What, why is that, Johnny? What is light got to do with well, sneezing? Well, I'm glad you asked this because <laughs> I didn't know. And I wrote to <laughs> Science Focus magazine because they had this Q&A where you ask these scientists and they'll go for answer all your questions. Brilliant. Yes. And I said, why, why is it that if I've got a sneeze coming, I can look at a bright light and it comes out? And they said, oh, that's very interesting. It's called the photic sneeze, which I guess photic from light. And nobody really knows why it happens. <laughs> But it's there every single day. If you if you're about to sneeze, well, actually, it might not be everybody. Yeah. But if you if you look at a bright light, for me, it will it will help me get the sneeze out. Yeah. And um, sometimes if yeah. I go out into a bright environment, suddenly I'm really sneezy. That happens. <laughs> it's all like oh, like when our kids wake up in the morning, they'll often come out of the bedroom and sneeze as they as the light hits them. It's, isn't that funny? Wow. Yeah. Anyway, the photic sneeze, but. There wasn't any clear explanation as to why this happens. <laughs> I, I've, I think I've just kind of worked this out through life and through sneezing when you've got a sneeze there. 
I've just yeah. discovered that by looking at bright light, you did it. Yeah. So I was kind of, I was aware of this, but I didn't, I, I don't think I'd ever kind of consciously talked about it or spoken to others or even asked for a scientific explanation, <laughs> no, which it strange. turns out there isn't one as far as we know. Yeah, as far as, far as I know. I love stuff like that. Maybe, maybe the surprise for me is that on this one is that as far as we know, there is no scientific explanation because it really feels like there's, must there be. must Someone be. Someone must have worked this out. Everything's linked. There's an explanation for everything, isn't there? It's, it is odd, isn't it? Looking, like letting bright light come into your eyes should make you sneeze. Like, why? I don't know. Can I add to this? I think it's about looking up to bright light in my personal experience as well. Ooh. So instead of crooking your neck back to look up at it, if you kind of roll your eyeballs up, I find, I think that helps me. Ooh. Bring out a sneeze as well. Yeah, yeah nice. So is it's it the, all, it's all is connected it the, in there? Because the eyes aren't totally round. I wonder if they like doing it. Oh, I don't know. I, don't know. I feel like okay. his muscles like pulling your, yeah. your sneeze switch or something. <laughs> we could just make up reasons. Well, we'll start publishing it. Exactly. Well, can, can I do? Can I do a related one then? Yeah. Um, and a lot of these, a lot of these are old ones where the sketches may be more or less high. Don't high excuse quality. yourself. Listen, Johnny, you started out as a little kind of pet project just doing for fun. It myself. Yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> all right, so this this one actually genuinely quite a good tip. And again, the, a lot of these were surprising to me because I only learned them when I was like, you know, in my thirties and onwards. Yeah. Um, this one I learned from a film, but it's basically if you want to keep your night vision at night, let's say. <laughs> you're getting up to go for a pee in the night yeah which, you, which becomes need, increasingly yeah, frequent potentially and you need to turn the light on but you don't want to you know crash into stuff on your way back if you shut just one eye you keep the night vision in the one eye while sacrificing the, <laughs> sacrificing the other eye to get the bright light so one of your pupils can 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 stay go really small and the other people will stay really big and it really works you turn the light off Switch eyes and you're all right again. So then Much you won't again. bump into the bed on your way back into the dark room because you then flip the <laughs> eyes around. Flip the eyes around. Yeah, if you want to sneeze, can you just do two <laughs> eyes in? <laughs> <laughs> or can you just do one? <laughs> if you do one, do you just sneeze out of one side? Is that... And wake up everyone else in the house. <laughs> yeah. I discovered that through your... Well, I learned mm. it through Sketchmanations. I'd never thought about that before. Well, I, I saw it in a, a film. It was a war film. And they were like nice. crawling through no man's land, and uh, somebody set up like a, a shot up a big flare. Yeah. And like, shut one eye so that when the flare goes, you can still operate. Oh, that's good. It's quite important then. Yeah. I mean, it helps <laughs> going for a pee in the night. We're all there. So if you're in no man's land, <laughs> try, try and we're sat here with one eye closed, <laughs> testing it. I mean, if, if <laughs> it's we're strange. If we're talking about tips for going for a wee in the middle of the night. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean the sit, the sit down the sit down <laughs> wee. The sit down wee is such a great discovery. Well, for, for me, it's a discovery. For, yeah, for, for me, it's been. So, I mean, it's. Just, I just feel so liberated. It's amazing. I mean, that is my preferred way now. Um, we move on. It's good that. Right. Um, how are we doing? Oh, we're smashing through them actually, guys. This is good. Next one I wanted to bring up was. Um, it's one called one and a half billion heartbeats. Right, so this is the phenomena in nature that roughly whatever the expected lifespan and whatever the typical size for almost all mammals, one and a half billion heartbeats is more or less what you get in your lifetime. So the sketch shows the scale from the teeniest of mammals like the shrew that John has got there in the sketch uh, right through to a massive great big elephant. And even though the shrew will live for roughly two years, and the elephant will live for around 75 years, give or take. 
they'll both have in the region of one and a half billion heartbeats throughout their lifetime. It's sort of like almost intuitive. You think of like little mm. creatures as you know, living fast, dying young. Yeah. And old creatures or going <laughs> being big. Yes. And going slowly. Yeah. And it, yeah, so in that sense, it's kind of intuitive, isn't it? Elephants don't really do anything. Yeah, they're fast. slow movers. I mean, they can run, but you don't see it often, right? Yeah, and the smaller you get, apart apart from, I don't know, a sloth or something, yeah. they're going faster and faster and like then, yeah, and having, having young really quick and all that stuff. I think, I think the word we're looking for in the, in the realm of those tiny mammals is scurrying. Scurrying, exactly. Scurrying in and out, yeah. Yeah? All the time. Their hearts are going boom, 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 boom. And I don't know if, you, if you've, um, okay, young kids as well, like their hearts, just, if you've listened to their hearts, it's just like, it's amazing how much faster they're going so compared the, to adults. And this yeah. is what it comes down to, right? So even there's a massive difference in the times scale for something small and something big, typically yes. two years for the shrew, 75 years for the elephant. It's the fact that on average, their heart rates will be very, very different. So a shrew, I think, John, typically in the sketch you talk about, um, a heart rate of 1500 BPM beats per minute versus a an elephant which would be about 30 beats per minute. Very different. So then when you combine those heart rates and the length of life, roughly you're looking at one and a half billion heartbeats. And, and that applies to us as mammals as well, or does it? Because I think you also talk about in the sketch, Jono, that we're, we've be, we're becoming, humans are becoming a bit of an outlier because there's so much that goes into healthcare now. So we live for longer. So yeah, we'll have more we've heart, sort of artificially compared to if we were just mammals living in nature. Yeah, cheated it. Incre- yeah, increased our lifespan. But you can think about you know like um, I mean whales are mammals, and you know the blue whale with that stat about having a, a heart the size of a car. Yeah, and it's certainly not going at fifteen hundred beats per minute, is, yeah. it, is it? And yet they live a really long time. Yeah, big whales do. And so yeah, is it just sort of remarkable this thing that ties us together? I'm <laughs> still still processing this. Which, so, so what I'm trying to work out is a if you're just winding me up on this podcast. It's a sketch. <laughs> um, uh, but no, must be uh, true. Is therefore because you guys do a lot of exercise. Right. Yeah. Good. Right. So glad to bring this up. And so really burn through your beats. Well, this right? is a concern. So when you're going for a marathon, do you think, oh, I could well be taking a couple of years off here? Well, it's more when we do things like hill sprints, where. I'm hitting my max heart rate, and you're going. Oh, is this a good idea? You're taking, it might taking hours off our lives. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sprinting up this hill. But then apparently, the fitter you, what? Well, well, yeah. Apparently, not the fitter you are, but you know, fit people typically last a bit longer. I think it keeps you healthy. Here's the outlier. I hope. Maybe, yeah. maybe this is part of that um, outlier. So whilst there's all the um, development and research gone in into medical ways of helping us live longer the fact that we're consciously trying to be fit to last longer as well is that mm. what we try and be fit i don't know the quality of life isn't it you want quality to, of life you want to have an extended quality of life we don't all want to be vegetables sitting around till we're 150 we yeah. want to just have as long a period of time where we can do fun stuff whereas That's- other mammals aren't necessarily thinking that way <laughs> they're, they're mainly trying to survive TV or- yeah when when dogs are running around in the park they're not they're not thinking like oh I deserve a bit of extra dinner dogs, tonight. Dogs are definitely fun scale, aren't they? Yeah. That's how they live their life. All tight one. Uh, yeah, so there you go. So another little um, add-on to that is that 
to if you want to calculate your maximum heart rate yes yes you can take it's 220 minus your age there or thereabouts 220 beats per minute minus your age so your maximum heart rate does get lower the older you get yeah which cycling with you john a couple of weekends ago was slightly terrifying me because i kept on hitting like 190 200 on the, on really the thing. yeah you should I, i've got a and it's your birthday a... today <laughs> yeah, so i should be on like 176 have you been lying are you and actually that, 20 like, <laughs> i'd love it to be that way around or i've just got a dangerously high heart rate <laughs> <laughs> right move on right so this one really really changed my life i learned it from johnny who is it Marie Kondo. Thank you very much. Stack shirts vertically, and uh, the nice. joy uh, and 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 that's so. I'm going to bludgeon this, but have a look at the sketch. Stacking shirts, especially t-shirts, you fold them in this this way, and then you can stack them vertically, and you get so much more. Like in in your drawer. In a small in your home. drawer in a small space, and then you can really clearly see every single one of them. So when I was young, I was very much a grab the laundry, stuff it in the in the drawer. This is your ongoing hate of dealing with laundry. <laughs> exactly, and I think it's now five years ago. I was recommend. I, I someone was talking about this book. I listened to it, and it, and I've done this method ever since and I love it and my drawers are really really neat and it sort of fills me with joy when I open it and go oh look how neat that is it takes a bit of time but also you get so much more in and you can see all the different in my case mainly all white t-shirts that I wear um, and and so it's very it's very very clear I know I'm wearing a back it's my birthday <laughs> I'm wearing a black one <laughs> <A> day off <laughs> <A> day off <laughs> so for me this is exactly why I had to do I have to do this project because I have to teach people about these things which have been amazing and transformative for me yeah. I know that this is only stacking shirts but I learned this from my wife years ago when you know for years and years and years I'd just been putting shirts on top of each other and pulling one out the bottom and they just completely mess up the whole pile and it was such a simple change to turn the sheet the shirts by 90 degrees and, and it, it really just, works and it transforms things and it really works and so yeah we need yeah people need to know this stuff <laughs> I, I do this as well now because you told me about it because Maria told you about it so now I like thinking about it as like flicking through files in a filing cabinet. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go over that one. I, and, you know, it's been noticed and I've had the Mickey taken out of me for it. But I love it. Are yours colour coordinated? No. Because I think Maria's are. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. It's like a little bookshelf, isn't it? Mm. It's a little bookshelf of uh, T-shirts or something. Yeah. Marie Kondo has a, has a thing which is, I've not done a sketch of, but it's an interesting one where she talks about the colours, this is about hanging shirts and stuff. And so she says, or go, I think it's white on the right. And so start from a dark colour on the left and gradually get lighter to the right. And she doesn't really provide any explanation as to why this feels good, but she says, try it. You'll, you'll find that it feels good. So I've been sort of doing that with my shirt I'm, to try and determine whether it actually feels better, but it's a bit of an effort to keep it in sync. Who, who is Mary Kondo? She is. She became famous for basically teaching people how to tidy and mm. how to declutter. Um, it's it's yeah. brilliant. Her TV, her yeah. Netflix series, she, she I think, has all sorts of stuff. Is actually it, yeah. awesome to watch. And really, like Sarah and I have done it a couple of times through the house of just getting rid of stuff, decluttering stuff, and it's so liberating. Quite hard I, work, but it's really liberating. Yeah, but you know when you do do a clear out, yeah. it does feel good, doesn't it? 
really good. This, and this is very much along those lines. It's about being more efficient. and it, I sometimes feel it creates more space in the drawers as well. Yeah. You feel yeah. like you've got a bigger house. Yeah, great. There are some other slightly curious recommendations she has where, like, yeah, come on. Take this, make sure your clothes don't feel the stress. So, for example, instead of taking your socks and folding them over each other, yeah. just, just lay them flat. Gently on top of each other, next to each other. Into a little sort of ball. And they'll they'll appreciate it. (laughs) Interesting recommendations like that. There is actually another sketch, which is, was exactly her thing, which was when you're like clearing out or deciding if you need something in your life, ask yourself this question, does this spark joy? Yes. And if it doesn't spark joy, time to move it on. And if it does, you're surrounding yourself with all the things that spark joy in your life, which is nice. I think that's nice. Rather than shoving things in a bag and putting them in the attic. Exactly. That's another way to do it. And you kind of, she recommends to sort of hold it in both hands and sort of feel Really it. examine it, look at it, yeah, feel yeah. it. And there's a lot of mistake because of that. Yeah. So a lot of people know her as either the, the, the shirt folding lady okay. or the does it bring you joy lady <laughs> sort of stuff. But it's actually really worth taking on and trying it. Did you know? Try it. Should we move on? One more each? Yes. Yeah, quick okay. fire, quick fire round. Quick fire, all right, right. My quick fire one, surprising things. This one, uh, we learned when we were traveling in South Africa and we stayed at a little pub in the middle of nowhere and they had a pizza called a Wayne's World pizza. And the pizza flavor is jalapeno, anchovy, and banana. And yes, I, that, those are surprising ingredients for me for a yeah, pizza. And and I did so I did a sketch of it. Um, because it's random and actually partly because also I just think that people recipes would benefit from being more visual and so yeah. I actually think there's something like I was going to do visual recipe maps you know basically when it's all coming together but anyway jalapeno anchovy and banana I think it's amazing you've got you got spicy and you've got salty and you've got sweet all in one so mm. it has all those three magic flavours it sounds ridiculous yeah. I get it but maybe give it a try what, why is it called Wayne's World Pizza? Is it is it a reference to Wayne's World, the, the movie, film. and they, yeah. they they order that? That's a, that's a good question. I'd have to go watch the film again. Is the banana cooked? <laughs> Presume so. Yeah, you pizza, stick it so on It's not like cold oven. banana you put on afterwards. No, no it's... I know. I'm, I'm reluctant I, to try it, but... No, he feels like he's going to ruin a that's pizza. That's the point, isn't it? <laughs> that's why I put out there's a surprising one. <laughs> well, hey! <laughs> yeah. And what do you want? Do you want all your food to be predictable? That's boring. Surprise yeah. yourself. Yeah. Surprise someone else. Surprise someone else. Yeah. <laughs> Put them underneath <laughs> the cheese. <laughs> hey, babe, yeah. babe, should we get pizza tonight? Yeah, leave, leave with me. I'll order it I'll in. Order it. Right. <laughs> yeah. This sure. is going to sound strange, but yeah. and some people got a problem with pineapple. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it's similar principle. Um, my final contribution to the quick fire round is um, one of Jono's sketches called "Enjoy Your Hotel Room More." And the sketch, and so what Johnny suggests is that uh, you should bounce on the bed, you should take a long bath, and you should walk around naked. And I spend quite a bit of time in hotels when I'm away with work, yep. and they don't tend to be fancy hotels, they're just your kind of standard plain room. And I can absolutely relate to all three of those <laughs> suggestions. I think they're absolutely brilliant. But the reason why I included this as surprising yes is something that I love about the sketch that I noticed when I took a closer look when I was skizzing through, is that there's a bum. <laughs> Jono's included an arse in one of his sketches of the guy running around naked. And that was the surprise to me, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I will continue to do all three of those things when I spend time in hotel rooms, because I think it's brilliant. 
bounce on the bed. I, I was interested to know where you were going to go here. Enjoy your hotel <laughs> well, I was, room at first. And I was trying to think of anything else that I might add to that. But I don't think there was. No. I don't think there's anything. That's it. That's it. That's all you need. Uh, Tommy, round us off. One us off. final thing. You just stop looking at the bum. <laughs> Um, it, well, it's related, I suppose. Um, that person in the sketch, he would have been using both sides of the towel. Because he's, uh, he's, he's Jono, probably, and that is it yourself you're drawing there. Um, which is... It's a nice bum. <laughs> it is a nice bum. Um, so when you're using a towel, you often come out and you're really wet, and then you get the towel wet, and you never think that the other side of the towel is completely dry. So once you sort of dry yourself a bit, turn it over, and then you have a nice, warm, dry towel. Continue drying, or at least drier. 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 Does it? Is it always completely dry, John? It's definitely drier. Yeah, it's definitely drier. Like, yeah, it is genuinely a really simple, easy thing. Dry yourself mm. on one side of the towel, and then turn it around and wrap the dry side around you if you want to wear it around your waist or something. Mm. There you go. Feels much nicer. Especially It's another one of those ones where I, I know it's so, so ridiculous. This is so <laughs> long ago, and yet. It was literally decades before I kind of twigged that there are two separate sides to a towel. <laughs> which, you know, how is that possible? And you can use them differently. It's good. Dry yourself, wrap yourself. And so there I get go. the surprising element of this is that it, it, it's things that possibly so obvious. They're obvious when they're pointed out to you, but up to that point, you just don't think of it. Well, they were or maybe me. you do. Yeah, I mean, everybody listening might be like, oh, yeah, of course. Oh, I've been doing that for years. <laughs> what are you talking about? But anyway, they were, they were new to me at the time. Is that it? Have we gone round? We've gone round. Well done. Well done. How many have we covered there? What did we do? Four each? Twelve? I think so. Twelve quickfire sketches, guys. There you go. What do we think of the bumper pack quickfire episodes? That was really good fun. Do they work? I like it. It's, it's, it's a chance to actually share a lot of the little ones, which, which is still good. I quite, I quite like them. I love them all. I'm talking about the ideas here. Are good. I like them. Yeah. Well, I like the sketches as well. <laughs> oh, good. I mean, I keep coming back to the bump. I, I, really, <laughs> I, really, I really like the sketches. I think, I think there's possibly scope for future quickfire episodes, do you think? Along different themes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've got plenty to go through. Yeah, we do. And, the, and to your point, ages ago, Tommy, <laughs> this is perhaps a way of catching up with Jono a little bit. Yeah. And trying to catch up with the number oh, yeah, of sketches yeah. he's done. Get him to go quicker. Yeah. <laughs> well, him to slow down and us to go quicker. Um, any favourites in there? They're, they're, like, Twit Twoo is still possibly the most surprising. You're still me. questioning that one? I'm still really questioning. He doesn't believe it. He doesn't believe it. <laughs> See, this, this, is, this is what I love about sketch relations. You learn Sneeze. and it makes you think about things completely differently. The 1.5 billion heartbeats, that feels a bit of a downer. It's quite a lot. Yeah, it's a bit a billion. Remember, not million. Well, we hope you, our beloved listeners, have found some, if not all, of the sketches we've covered here to have an element of surprise about them. Facts and tips you can share and impress your friends with, perhaps. I mean, use them sparingly. Nobody likes a smarty pants. <laughs> have fun with it. Go on, then. Off you go. Thank you all very much for listening. We're 10 episodes in now. And you know what? I think we really quite enjoy doing this. And um, we'd love for you to try and help us spread the word about the podcast as well. Online, on social media, or by just bringing it up in the pub or at a family dinner. That would be brilliant. Thank you. Don't forget to subscribe to the series if you haven't already. And please do get in touch with any comments or messages or some of your own stories about any of the topics we've covered in the series so far. Hello at sketchplanations.com is the only email address you'll need. We'll be dipping into this week's postbag in just a few moments at the end of the episode. 
But next week, we'll be back to the standard single sketch format where we'll be exploring Goodhart's Law. You can look it up in advance or wait for next week where we'll get right into what it is and how it affects our lives. Until then, go well, stay well. Cheers. Goodbye. See ya. Right, well, uh, let's get into this week's postbag, um, which is a reflection on last week's episode, uh, front stage versus backstage behaviour. And we've had even more than usual correspondence on this. It's fantastic. Um, so thank you, everyone, for uh, commenting or sending us an emails or messages. Um, but we're going to crack on because there's, there's a few to get through. Um, I'll read out the first one. Uh, this is from Richard on Instagram, who says, um, this was really fascinating, especially the notion of keeping things in when we're observing others in a public setting. Um, I have a great friend with whom I have a completely simpatico relationship. When we're out and see or hear something off the wall, we just have to look at each other to know we're thinking the exact same thing and have to immediately break eye contact or we'll start to laugh. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, and I guess that relationship to have that that is keeping in, and it's lovely, isn't it? And you both know you're keeping in your backstage behaviour, keeping a very front. Hopefully, it's that way around. Yes. (laughs) But the uh, the brilliant thing is about it that you can go backstage later and have a right old laugh about whatever it was. Uh, Thank you very much, Richard. Toby messages to say another good podcast. When I was listening. I thought the problem I sometimes have is working out if the situation requires backstage or front stage, e.g. with other parents at school. Should you try to be a bit reserved and not show your hand straight away or just be yourself? I pass this one over to you boys as, as parents who have obviously met a lot of people, a lot of maybe now close friends through the schools that you send your kids to. It's very Quite meta, dry. isn't it? Trying to decide if you, if you need to be backstage or front stage. I think you be yourself. Be yourself. It's a good environment. You be yourself. You're not, it's no interview, is it? It's, um... Not too much of yourself, Johnny. No. What is the pressure? What, what is the situation? Are there any pressures at the school gate about you as a parent in front of other parents? Because that, that's what you're, that's what's brought you there, right? I feel like as a as a as a parent, there's probably always like a, a little bit in the back of your mind about being a good parent, mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit about how others perceive your parenting. Yeah, but you know, we're all friends. We're all rich. It's a great it's a great chance for, to get on the level with people, isn't it? It's hard for everybody. So. My kids have recently uh, changed school. Uh, and so I'm meeting a whole load of new parents yeah. uh, quite rapidly, having having known the previous school parents really well, had been, you know known people for five or almost ten years, some of them, uh, and now are in a new school where it's new relationships, new beginnings, uh, and it is a little bit. It's uh, I, I certainly feel Toby's uh, pain as you you never quite know where to uh, where to where to gauge it we were at prize giving on this saturday and that was very front stage because everyone was also really really dressed up oh, yeah. um and uh yeah so it, it, it it's like being back at school it is very in some respects because you are in a school environment so you feel almost like yourself as you're back at school and you're trying not to kind of embarrass your kids in some respects but, is that uh, is that and, a conscious thing were you it sounds like you were quite conscious of that tom at, at um this event last week a little bit because there's hundreds of parents for that one yeah. um and uh and you've met people a few times and you're trying to remember everybody's names and not mess that up and uh, and that but um no it yeah i i understand what toby's saying for sure yeah john do you want to take take one yeah i'll, I'll go um we had a really nice email from jez 
So uh, front stage, backstage is really interesting, particularly in a work context. And he shared the term spillage when a bit of backstage or your real life accidentally <laughs> comes out at work when the professional mask slips. But also that he thinks a bit, a small bit of spillage is as good as it shows who we really are and, and that we're human. Um, particularly if you're in a leadership position, although it's worth avoiding the career limiting spillage. <laughs> Should it get close to that? Um, that to- totally resonates. I, I really like it actually. It's the sort of thing where it's the sort of thing that happens, like when the the dog barks in the background or the cat walks across the keyboard. It's like a bit of real life comes into work context. is is really nice. I was thinking it's a funny. It's a funny metaphor, isn't it? Spillage. It sort of like it. intuitively makes sense, but it sort of has this idea that. Your backstage is sort of bottled up. <laughs> it's spilled out. To the top. It's got nowhere to go. Oh, yeah. It's got to go somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> spilled in the office. I mean, I've, I've definitely, there's a very clear um, example I have of this when I did work in an office environment and I'd been away on, a, on like a two week holiday with the boys. And you come and you've been playing drinking games a lot of the time. This was, you know, decades ago. And with, with drinking, you know, there were things like um, double tap your glass when you've finished your drink on the table or no pointing. So you either point with a fist or with a kind of crooked finger and you end up doing pr- presentations with like pointing at the screen with a fist or with a cr- crooked finger. There's no pointing or you double tap your coffee mug when you finish it on your desk. Just weird, silly things that spill out. So, know. yeah, that spillage resonated. If, if you had uh, Richard Simpatico relationship somebody else in the office crack you up wouldn't it when you double tap your coffee in the, in the morning or if you don't and then yeah. someone goes right neck it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a nice one i like that that was a, that's a great observation love that that was from jez was it yeah thank you jez that's lovely i've got another um comment left on instagram from lady nana of meme so they say in corporate life, um, I had to look like I fit in, as I should have. As soon as I retired, I shaved my head. My hair was thick and beautiful, but very hot, so it was mostly in a ponytail. Now I wear jeans, shorts, and Joe Boxer lounge pants. Um, I always thought I'd be a classy, well-dressed senior citizen. That's not me. I'm free to be me. I've joined our readers' theatre group and love performing. My first role, I put on a wig, glasses and used a southern draw. No one recognised me. At the final bow, I took off my glasses, yanked off my wig. The audience of residents exploded. The real me had finally and unapologetically arrived. I'm not a classy grandmother. I'm wild and wacky and finally me. What a lovely, lovely message. That's, that's beautiful that is exactly what we're talking about it's a great opportunity for a, a fresh start again isn't it hey yeah and this i'm obviously just reading this in very 2d text um because it was left as a as a comment but what i read into that is this joy of talking about who she is now because why can't we do that why can't we experience that joy more in what a traditional front stage environment why not bring a bit more back into it great question we, we, we have a mutual friend who does this and I notice it quite a bit and I love it when he does it He let's say we're going into a, a shop or I don't know a cafe or a restaurant or something so there's a stranger there who doesn't know us and you're going to go into your front stage behaviour he will 
chuck in backstage behavior just in the way he acts and the language he uses the kind of thing that you'd the kind of chat that you'd have it it was just amongst us and it always makes me laugh and it always takes me by surprise and that stranger whoever it is as well usually they react really well to it because it makes them laugh as well sometimes they're a bit bemused but um I love it when he does it. I absolutely love it. And I don't think he does it consciously. But as soon as he sees other people laugh around, he's like, oh, yeah, I, I see what I've done there. I love it's, it. It's a great way to connect, isn't it? Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Love that. Step out of the, I don't know, I was going to say the clothing that we all put on, but don't do that. That's Step not. off the stage. Thank you. Thank you. That was, that's, a, that's a much more appropriate metaphor. <laughs> Thank you for all of those messages and comments. And, uh, of course, keep them coming in. Uh, we'll be back with you next week. Till then, cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Later. All music on this podcast series is sourced from the very talented Frank Cinelli. And you can find loads more tracks at frankcinelli.com. <laughs>